Well, are y'all ready for the word? You know, this today, I'm going to say something. This is going to be a game changer. Everything in your life is going to change today. Now, I say that with all honesty. It is literally going to change for the good. Not a lot of sermons I preach that I can say that to you. But this one, oh, I most certainly can. I'm trying to find something. I don't want to miss it in a minute when I need it. There we go. John, let me see. John 16. What have we been preaching on? Anybody remember last Sunday? What did we talk about? We talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And when you get in the pit, he'll get in it with you. And he'll get you out of it. But we talked about the fact that there is a benefit to being a spirit-filled Christian. Now, I'm not telling you that a Christian that doesn't speak in tongues is not saved. They are. But I'm going to tell you they are at a disadvantage. They really are. And I thank God for what I know. And I think there's more to know. So I've been preaching a series of sermons called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And I did steal the title from Benny Hinn. And as you don't tell him, he won't make me pay royalties on it. Well, we've been talking about this person called the Holy Ghost. So in John 16, let's look at verse 5. It says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm going to tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It's better that I go away. Well, if I don't go away, the helper, the parakletos, will not come. And if I depart, I'm sending him to you. He's a person. He's not a bird. He's not a fog. He's not a presence. He's a person. Now listen to me. You have a person living in the body with you. There's two of you in there. Now that may sound odd to your ears. But if you, once you get born again, you become very aware of his presence. I have had him on my mind and heart since the day I got saved. I have never been around, I've never done anything where I have not been, I have not known he was there. Not at all. Okay, let's finish reading. I'm going to jump down to verse 13. No, verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Why? They weren't born again. Something happens when you're born again where you can start understanding the Bible. Because up until then, when you're not saved, the Bible doesn't make sense. I read the Bible before I got saved. It didn't, get, it didn't make a lick of sense to me. It was about a guy and another guy and some fish and, and you know, and, and I, honestly, I got nothing out of it. The day I got born again and came home, I said, someone rewrote this book. It made all kind of sense because someone is teaching me from the inside. All right, now let's go on. However, when he The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority. Whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he'll tell you things that are going to come. He will glorify me. He'll take what's mine and show it to you or declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he'll take what's mine and show it to you. You know, he said right here in this verse, he said, he, when, however, when he, the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. You know, many of you know that Lisa and I just got back from Israel and uh, we haven't got dates yet. We haven't actually planned it other than in our minds, but we want to go back next January and we want to take many of you. Amen. You have no idea how much the Bible comes alive, but I didn't understand this word and I never gave the word guide thought until I was on a bus with a tour guide. He said he will guide you into all truth. Now here, when we got on the bus, we're on the bus with 42 people, most of them Baptist preachers. That was fun. They love Justin. Justin doesn't know a Baptist. So when he got on the bus and started praying for everybody's healing, they just let him go. And when they all started getting healed, they said, our doctrines have been challenged. 
But anyway, one of the neatest things that I experienced is I've always wanted to go to Israel and always wanted to see it. But they, when they put you on this big giant bus, they put a tour guide and a tour guide in Israel has to go to college, has to go to school to be a tour guide. And the one we had named Aaron was a, was a teacher of Jewish history. He was a Jewish history teacher. And he was our tour guide. And let me tell you, he knew his stuff. And you have no idea what it's like to get on a bus, have a man pick up a mic, and everywhere you go on that bus, he's telling you the history that happened there, what happened there, how it happened there, and he is filling in all of the blanks for you. And, I, I, and, and I'm sitting there listening to this man, and he's making Israel come alive. He's making my Bible come alive in my soul. Because not only am I seeing it, I'm actually hearing a guide tell me how it was, when it was, what was going on in the rest of the world. All about the personality of the people and and the things happening. And he just took it and made all of it real like a movie. Now, one one of the things that we went to um, um, Simon the Tanner where Peter was when he had the vision. And it says in the Bible, by the sea. Well, you're standing there looking, and then you look around the building, the sea's right there. And and you can hear it, it's loud. And it's, it's not like the Gulf of Mexico or the Atlantic. I mean, it's, it's chopping, it's the way, it's rocky. And I'm going, my God, it is by the sea. And then he said, well, when Peter had, when he had his vision here, then he went to Cornelius. And we got on the bus and drove for a long ways. And I said, how far was this if you're walking? He said, two days. I said, oh, I did not know that. And, and you know, it, when you get up there and you get to Caesar's palace and they start talking to you about Paul wrote the book of Romans from here. And this is the place where, where, they, where they decided that which books would be in the canon of scriptures and who it was. And y'all understand, having a guide is cool. Are y'all out there? Or you go home. Having someone tell you what all of these, I mean, he's filling in the blanks on all of the stuff in the Bible we didn't know. So when you get born again, he says, I'm going to send a helper and he's going to guide you into all of the truth. You know, there's stuff in here that when you're reading it and you've had this happen and I've had this happen and you're reading it and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost goes, yeah, but dun, 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 and you're going, whoa, cool. I didn't know that. And he tells you something else. You go, oh, I didn't know that. And all of a sudden you're going, that is so cool. I didn't know that. You're not just reading what's read. You're actually, he's guiding you. What? happened, when it happened, how it happened, what all's happening, how that applies to you. He has given us a tour guide to take us through life. How does this book apply to you today? You have a guide. Now, let's back up for a minute and let me say something. It says in the book of Romans, they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Did you know that God has a plan for your life? Every one of you have heard that. How many of you have ever been off the plan? We have all been off the plan. I have. I've been. Listen, when you lose your peace and when you lose your joy, don't get in condemnation. Just back up and go, uh, I missed something. When the finances quit, back up and find out what happened. When the healings quit, back up and go, "Uh, tour guide, uh, I took a wrong turn here. Now, we have done a a disservice to our youth. We've told them, you can do what you want to. That's not true. You can. One time, Patsy Caminetti, Brother Hagen, was was ministering, and he ministered to her, named Patsy Berriman. That's Trina Hankin's sister. And he prophesied over her. He walked up to her, and I was in the building when he did it. And he called her up, and he said, sweetheart, you've got two paths in front of you. One of them looks like a Texas road, long, straight, and telephone pole after telephone pole after telephone pole. Another one looks like a road in Colorado where there's a new mountain scene every time you go around a corner. You have two paths. Which one do you choose? She said, I choose Colorado Rocky Mountain. He said, if you choose that path, it will be more difficult, but it will be more fruitful. 
He said, you can live a nominal life if you want to, but that's not my perfect will for you. Or you can choose my will. I remembered after that, she went to Italy and started working in Rhema there. Then she went down to the Philippines and she's been all over the world. You know, when you do God, what God said, your life's going to change. Justin and I were talking because he was in a meeting. I'm going to tell on him a little bit. Y'all mind? Y'all don't mind me telling on Justin, do you? Justin has grown up with the idea, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't know whether y'all have noticed that. If you lived in my house and got to put up with Christians, you'd say, I don't want to do that either. Anybody that wants to do this job on their own is crazy. It's, it, I mean, it's really, it's not easy job. It's really not an easy job. So Justin was in a meeting with Mark Hankins, and Mark Hankins called him out and prophesied over him and said, when are you going to quit? When are you going to start obeying God? And Justin, you know, I watched him right there. I was over there praying for him. Have, you know, I always believe we pray over our kids. Lisa and I prayed diligently over them. And so Justin just made up his mind to obey God. Well, the other day when he went to Israel, I looked at him and I said, how do you like being in the will of God? And he said, I love it. Because <laughs> one week you're working and the next week you're in Israel. You know, you don't, you know it's, it's awesome to follow God. But to some people, it's a little scary. When I got born again, I'm going to tell you a story. And I've told you this and I'm not going to go into great detail with it. Right after I got saved, I was laying on my bed reading my Bible. And, and deer season had just begun. And I'm not really thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about deer hunting. I know y'all wouldn't believe that, but, it, but it's true. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, I have no pleasure in this. Put your Bible down and get your gun and go hunting. And I realized that I had bothered him. He didn't like it. I took my gun and I put it in the closet. And I came back and I picked up my Bible and I said, Father, I will never put deer hunting first. Now you understand, I deer hunted every year since I was old enough to hunt. This will be the first year I ever laid that down for God. Because I have a call of God and I know he has something he wants me to do. Does that mean God doesn't want me to hunt? No, he wants me to hunt. So, long story short. The last day of the season, last day, I hadn't even been in the woods. I don't even know where to go. I'm laying in my bed, enjoying Jesus, reading my Bible. It's raining. 10 o'clock. Sun's already been up for two or three hours. The Lord says, why don't you go deer hunting? I went, where? It's not morning. It's raining. Everything's wrong. Now, you ever think about Peter? Peter's fishing all night. You know a fish can see the net. And here comes a carpenter and tells him to throw the net out in broad daylight. Everything's wrong. This is not right. He did it. Caught fish. Anyway. So, I thought to myself, well, it's not going to hurt anything. So, I got my gun, headed off in the woods. I was sitting in my pickup truck, staring out the window. Just stopped raining. It's about 11 o'clock now, almost noon. I said, I don't know where to go. And he said, listen to your spirit. Be led by your spirit. Now, I never dawned on me to hunt with the Holy Ghost. I thought he would lead me into truth, but not where deer are. So I got my gun and I headed down to the river. And I remember getting to the river, and I'm standing there, and I turned to go upriver. And as I did, my insides went, uh. Y'all know what that, uh. And I turned around and went the other way, and my insides went, yeah. And I I walked up on a whole herd of deer feeding in the middle of the day. What I didn't know is that the night before it had frozen. Everything was frozen solid. When the rains came and it thawed, it thawed the pea patch. And the deer were out in the middle of the day. No one knew it but God. I shot a seven-point buck out of that field. Shot his antler off and it ran away. And it came back and I shot it. That's God. And as I'm standing there looking at my deer, the Lord said to me, I brought you out here today to teach you 
Be led by your spirit everywhere you go. And I'll never fail you. I'll always lead you and guide you right. Now, I deer hunted again next week. I went deer hunting twice. And I killed two deer. Every year before that, I deer hunted for months and maybe shot one. I'm just wasting time. So God does care, but he can put you in the woods on the right day. He can put you in a business deal at the right moment. You don't have to seek money. You can seek God. So, so he says, they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So he began to teach me to be led by my spirit man. So he led me to go to work at a fi- fiberglass plant called Certainty. You've heard the story. I worked there for several years. And then he said, I want you to quit it and go to Tulsa. What do you think I did? I went to Tulsa. Why? Did I go to go to Bible school? No. Why would a man leave a work and go do something and go work for someone else for less money and walk away from a paycheck? Why would a man do that? Well, number one, it's the will of God. I trusted God. But all of that was born out of the fact that I loved God, period. Are y'all seeing? And we'll take you somewhere here in a minute. So all of my life from there, going to Tulsa, the Lord leading me to Orlando, I've never, I've lost nothing in Florida. I didn't even go to the beach when I came down here to the Jesus festivals. I thought it stunk like a fish down here. I just, you know, when you have four seasons, you don't want to go where you have all four seasons in one week. If you live in Florida, you can have all four seasons in just one week. It can go, it can go from cold to hot and it's freezing on Monday and you're out in your bathing suit and swimming in your pool by Friday, you know. So, so the Lord led me here, led, led me to this church, led me, the, you know, and I want to, just the day I bought this land, I want to tell you something about this property that we're on. We were over here in the shopping center and um, this property was owned by Hal Marchman. He was going to build four houses on it. He was unable to do so. And I walked on the property and the Holy Ghost said, buy it. Now, Let's look backwards. This, back then, this property was a horse pasture. Do you remember at the top of the road up here, it was dirt? Do you remember when the, when the rest of Vic Road was dirt? And all there was was washing machines and dryers on the side of it. And there was even a stretch where there was nothing. I mean, this was not the location in my mind. I paid $125,000 for the six acres you're sitting on. There is a God. And I'm not him. But you know, when you're led by the Holy Ghost, he will show you what to do. He knows the future. He knows everything. So I said, we've done people a disservice by not teaching them, be led by the Spirit. It's really not okay to just pick up and say, this is what I want to do in life. You can do it if you want to, but that's really not the best thing for you to do. That's what causes a lot of problems in our life is not following God or his leadership. Okay, okay, well, we're going to move on because I got something, place I got to go. Um, it says in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Just learn to listen to the guy on the inside of you. And he also said in John 16, 13, I'll show you things to come. Now, I've had... Th- Let's, let's back up again. When I was working with Air Mobile Ministries, I lived in Sheeler Oaks. And Lisa and I got in a car one day and we're going out to eat. And I came to the end of Sheeler, turned right on 436. And I had a vision of me and Lisa pastoring a church. And I looked at Lisa and I said, you're not going to believe what the Lord just showed me. I just saw you and I pastoring. What a shock. That had never entered my mind. What's he doing? He's getting me ready. He's starting to show me things in the future. As a matter of fact, there's been a lot of things he showed me so that when it happened, I would know that's God. Even though it seemed strange to me, I saw myself when I first got saved, standing on a platform overseas, preaching to 5,000 people. That happened. 
Now, God does that so you have some kind of a drive. This is where I'm going. I have seen my future. I'm headed there. So he, the Holy Spirit will show you what's coming. Sometimes he'll show you so you can pray and change it. All right, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4 now. You ready? We've got three people that are ready. Spirit of God's still here, so don't don't think that just because you're not singing, he's not here. He's here. Ephesians 4.25, and let me start reading. Now, I got somewhere we're going, so just be patient as I read. Therefore, put away lying. Let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who steal, stole, stole steal no more. Rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he has something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. With that which is good and necessary for edification, that it may um, impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, clamor is loud hollering, fighting, evil speaking, put it away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgive one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. You know, I've read this scripture. I cannot tell you how many times I've read this in my life. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I'll be honest with you. I've never really understood it like what I'm fixing to read to you and show you now. I want to read something because when I read that, the Spirit of God prompted me to go get my Rick Renner sparkling gems out. I wanted to read what Rick had said. And I want to read it to you. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. He says, many years ago, when I first studied the word grieve in Ephesians 4, I ran to my bookshelf, pulled out a Greek New Testament to discover what the word meant. It is the Greek word L-U-P-E-T-A. That surprised me because it comes from the word loop, L-U-P-E, loopy, which denotes pain or grief that can only be experienced when two people who deeply love each other. The word loopy would normally be used to picture a husband or wife who has discovered that his or her mate has been unfaithful. As a result of this unfaithfulness, the betrayed spouse is shocked, devastated, hurt, wounded, and grieved because of the pain that accompanies the unfaithfulness. This tells us, first of all, that the relationship that exists between us And the Holy Spirit is precious. The Holy Spirit is deeply in love with us. Just as someone in love thinks about, dreams, and cherishes the one he loves. The Holy Spirit longs for us, thinks about us, desires to be close to us, and wants to reveal himself to us. But when we act like the world, talk like the world, behave like the world, respond like the world... We cause the Spirit of God to feel shock, hurt, and grief. You see, when we deliberately do wrong, we drag him right in the mire of sin with us. Because he lives in us, he goes wherever we go. Now, when I first read this, he made a statement about um, the love between the Holy Spirit and a person is like between a man and his wife. There's only two times, there's two things that you'll experience on this earth. And I pray you never experience them. But many of us in this room have. And that's the unfaithfulness of a spouse. Or the death of a child or a loved one close to you. You know, it's very difficult to describe the grief and what goes on in the heart of someone who experiences those things. And I remember not too long ago, and as I mentioned this man's name, Tom Copeland lost his son, Kevin. He died early. And I was there, and there was nothing I could say to Tom. You can't say anything other than to hold his hand and sit with him as he sits with his sons at his son's funeral. 
Your, your kids are not supposed to die before you do. That, that, that is something that creates a, a heartbreak. But there's another grief here, and it's the grief of an unfaithful spouse. And this is not just an unfaithful spouse. Sometimes it happens when boys, young men and young ladies are dating. But, but I want you to think for a minute of what it's like when a man and a woman get married and they, they, they vow their love to one another and they, they vow to walk with each other and they vow to, till death do us part. And one day, for whatever reason, one of them comes home and finds out their spouse has someone else. Always there's blame and they'll always blame. But, but the pain and the hurt in your heart, it, it, it is actually very devastating. You feel violated. Okay. Now, you get over it, you know, with time. I've actually been through this. In my first divorce, um, I didn't eat for 30 days. I had to have an angel come in the bedroom and talk to me, or I literally would have died of starvation. I got to where I was 138 pounds. And I know, just consider half of me now, and that's just about right. I was about as big as Maybell sitting there, you know, other than I was a little lighter. A little less hair and a little lighter. But, you know, it's devastating when you find this and, there's, and you, you think to yourself, you want to work on it. You, you, you know, that relationship is precious because it's someone you've walked with. It's someone you've had good times with. It's someone that you've enjoyed life. You've had children with. Them. And for them to do that to you is, is unimaginable quite off the bat. And usually it's one person wanting the relationship and one not wanting it. And, and so it's, it, you know, when you go through that, and when he made this statement right here, he says, that's the kind, that's what that word grieve means. When he's talking about you and I grieving the Holy Spirit. So I, got, I want to read something to you here. There is nothing on the planet that'll ever trump your walk with God. Nothing. I want to say something to you. I want you to think for a minute. You are in control of what you think about. Nobody else is. What, what makes mine and Lisa's relationship precious? It's what I think about. It isn't that we don't have problems we work through them. But I cherish her fellowship. I cherish my wife. My wife cherishes me. Now, we've been married for 34 years, known each other for 36. The other day when I got an invite to go to Israel, the first thing I said was, you're going with me. I don't want to go alone. I want to be with you. What is that? That's love. Now, in the priorities in my life, there's number one, God, and there's number two, Lisa, family, and you're last. Is that okay? Okay. There's nobody going to trump my walk with God, not even my own wife. And nobody's going to trump my walk with my wife or my fellowship with my wife, not even you. So I want you to understand that there is a love relationship with God and you. He paid a high price. He loves you. When you and I, okay, let me back up a minute. When I went to Israel, one of the things that shocked me was the way they do Sabbath. Now, we've gotten away from that here because we don't believe in a literal Sabbath. We've almost gotten where we don't even believe in church. Now, you know, that's legalism. Okay. But, it, but at Friday at sundown, Jerusalem stops. And I was sitting on the plane talking to a Jew. And he said, when the Sabbath begins, we don't touch a phone. We don't touch a credit card. We won't touch money. We spend the day with God and family. Why? Now, we understand that's Old Testament law. But what was God saying? What is it? 
What is it about this thing with God? What is he wanting out of you and I anyway? He wants to be first. I can wake up on Sunday morning and get in here and sit on the front row and think about what I'm going to be eating for lunch. And God knows I'm sitting here thinking about what I'm going to be eating for lunch. I'm controlling what I'm thinking about. All right, let's back up and get out of church for a minute. Lisa could be sitting here thinking about some friend of hers she was talking to on Facebook when she's supposed to be spending time with me. You can't stop someone for what they're doing. But if she's creating friendships that are more important to her than me, then I'm going to be bothered by that. I I want her to have friendships. I want her to do what she wants to do. But I I want to be her man. I want to know, are you thinking about me? So sometimes I, when she's out on Thursday night and she's out in practice and she can't cook, I cook dinner for her. Why? Because she needs dinner? No. I want her to know that I'm doing something because right now I could be home thinking about anything, but I'm thinking about you. Amen. That, that's called a good marriage. Now, Sunday morning, you don't have to come. You don't have to come to church. You stay home. Or you can come and drag in. All right, well, that's the way we got to go. Let me say something. Stay home. That's right. What happened? And I don't think I've ever understood first love until I read this. What is first love? First love is when you met that woman and you went, oh, my God, I got to take you home. I remembered every night I had to take Lisa home, get her home. I hated it. I hated it. I mean, I wish squeaked it out to the last second. And finally, I let her go. And, and I said, I'll see you in the morning. You know, or I'm on the phone with her. What is that? I want to I be with her. I'm still that way. What about God? When I first got saved, he changed my world. He changed my life. The grace that hit me. He healed me. He healed me. I was a sinner. He healed me. I went up forward. He saved me. He drew me. He filled me. He got me out of debt. Oh, my God. So what happens now when it's Sunday? Ah, well, you know, eh, what are you doing? Eh, I don't know. I wish we had a guest speaker today. Really? Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. What is that? Do you care? Just let me back up a minute. I never do anything that if Lisa caught me, I'd be ashamed. What I am publicly and privately is the same. She can get in my phone anytime she wants to. She can go through my emails. I don't care what she goes to. You know how to keep from getting caught? Don't do anything wrong. She'll never find my girlfriend's. I don't have any. <laughs> Are y'all listening? So, so why, why am I saying? Why am I saying all this? Because you you work on you work on that relationship. You cherish that. Is when the Holy Spirit, He said, "Do not grieve the Holy Spirit." Think about this for a minute. You're walking with him. What are you doing that he doesn't like? I'm not talking legalism here. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about there are times when I say things and I get this. uh, And he's going, I don't like that. I go, you don't? I said, it's true. Uh, are y'all out there? I mean, I've had times when I'm home praying, and I'm going, where are you, God? You were here last week. And I pray and pray and pray, and finally I get humbled. I go, where'd you go? And I start finding out, you remember last week when you said so-and-so about so-and-so? I said, yeah. He said, well, so-and-so is my son. I love him. I don't appreciate what you said. I tell you, 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 
People are constant, constantly trying to find a formula to push the button, pull the lever. There's not a, there's no, there's not a button. He's a person. You, you can't violate this relationship and then expect to have victory in your life. It does not work. You're going to work on it. So when I read all of these things right here, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, that's not a list of don'ts. Those are things that God, the Holy Ghost inside of you, he doesn't like it. I want you to think about two people in the Bible, David and Saul. Saul sinned and, and that didn't go well. David sinned and he came out okay. And I've read that and went, what happened? Why did David get favor and Saul did not? Have y'all ever read that and went, that ain't right. Well, well, here's what happened. When Saul sinned and Samuel called him on the carpet, he blamed other people for it. And he never really repented. And he just wanted to get forgiven so he could be the king again and keep doing all the things he was doing. And he never really had a heart after God. But when David sinned and the prophet came in and called him on the carpet, he fell on his face and said, I have hurt God. I have sinned against you. And, he, and it broke his heart that he broke God's heart. And God restored him and picked him up. Let me tell you something. We go through stuff, folks, but God is looking at your heart. Not the first John 1, 9 it for another week or two. Do you understand that you're walking with a person who has feelings, he has emotions, and he loves you deeply, and you wake up and and you ignore him like he's not there? Church has become a, well, you got to go, and I wonder what pastor is going to say today, and can't wait till we get out, and let's go get some fried chicken. And you, can, and you can do it if you want to. Or you can wake up on Sunday morning and go, 40 years ago, you saved my wretched hide. 40 years ago, you changed my life. 40 years ago. Jesus, I love you as much today as I did then. Get dressed up. Come into church. Quit looking at that darn clock. I never looked at the clock when I was dating Lisa. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. If, if your Christianity is not a love affair, we're a social club. I can preach my best, and I cannot give you a heart for God. I can't do it. I can preach living right, but I can't give you a heart for God. And when you have a heart for God, you'll live right. In the Old Testament, Joseph, Potiphar's wife, tempted him. And he said, I cannot do this. It would displease God. What an awesome heart attitude. Now, let's go back to my story of deer hunting. That morning, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm thinking about deer hunting. And the Lord said, this gives me no pleasure. Put your Bible down. I picked up something in his heart. He wanted to be with me, and I was not there. I made the right choice then, put the gun away and came back in and said, I want to be with you. Now, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box. I'm really not. I'm not really that smart. If I didn't have God, there wouldn't be a whole lot here. Someone asked Lisa, what would you see in him? She goes, Jesus. (laughs) I think that's pretty good. Are y'all seeing this? 
Good morning, Holy Spirit. Let's go do, let's go do our day to day. I found out he don't like everything we do. He don't like everything we say. He don't like everybody we hang around with either. Why don't you let him speak into your life a little bit? One more question. Are you correctable? Because if you're going to walk with him, he's going to straighten you up. Okay. And it might be through your pastor, if you have one. To some people, I'm their preacher. I don't preach a lot on coming to church on Sunday because if it's not in your heart, it wouldn't do any good anyway. Because you don't have to. You do get to, though. Amen. You don't have to read your Bible to be a Christian. You don't have to pray. But you do get to. Thank you, Shirley. Didn't Shirley do a good job the other day? Let me talk about correction a minute, and then we're going to close. I probably am probably really done, but I, but I, you know, y'all ever seen the movie Top Gun? Do you know why they had that school? Because they said that every time they send a pilot that gets in a dogfight, if he wins, he's a better pilot. If he loses, he dies. They said, let's simulate the dogfight so that when you die, you don't really die. So what happens is when you simulate a dogfight, you get better, even if you get shot down. Okay. What is, why do, you, why do parents, why did God leave you at home for 18 years? Around people who what, love you? Okay. You parents, if you love your children, do you correct them? Why? Because that's a dogfight. That'll not kill them. Come on, y'all. I'm, I'm preaching real good right now. I'm listen, I want you to think about what I'm saying. If you'll listen to your parents, you won't kill yourself out there. Because when you go out there, that ain't mama. Mama will tan your hide but loves you. They'll tan your hide and kill you. Why does God use the pastor to correct you? Because I'll tan your hide and love you. I'm trying to keep you from dying out there. The Holy Spirit will use me to bring correction. Today is corrective. If you've left your first love, come home. You may be sitting here and I may have touched a nerve talking about a husband or a wife. There, let me tell you something. It's, it, you talk to people who've been through a divorce. It's, it's devastating. I mean, it is tough. You don't just get over it in a week or two. It's, it's, it's tough. You've been violated. You've been cheated. If you're a kid, you've been kicked out of your home by your parents. And sometimes kids are dating. And one of them will just walk. Yeah, it's, folks, that's devastating. But you and I do it to God. Where do you think the love you have for people comes from? Comes from God. Where does that intense desire to be accepted come from? God. What's he like? Just like you. That's why the Pharisees couldn't handle Jesus. Well, you're a man. They could not handle the fact that he had all of the same human emotions they did. But when you and I are not living right, it bothers him. And you're breaking his heart. You remember me telling you the story of me going to heaven? I watched God weep. I told God, I said, you're killing me. 
You're, kill, you're killing me. I never knew you could break his heart. After everything he did for you and I. So I'm going to ask you a question. How's your walk with God today? Why do you think the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil? Because we have Christians. You're more in love with your job than you are God. You're more in love with money than you are God. You wake up on Sunday morning and all you're thinking about is money. What's going on inside of you? Is that God? It's not God. Oh, you're in love with things. What thing are you spending all your money on and Jesus is second? That grieves him. If you're grieving him, you're going to have to get that fixed first. You say, but I've been praying. Well, you might want to fix the marriage. I didn't say you lost the relationship. I'm a strong proponent of fellowship. I'm not one of these people that believes 1 John 1 9 is about a relationship. It, it is not. It's talking to Christians about fellowship. Fellowship and relationship are not the same thing. And the big dogs who are preaching, I'd love to have lunch with them one day and straighten them out. But <laughs> that's just me. Heavenly Father, we came in here this morning and we had a powerful service. I could see by being in the worship service that the people in this church love you. But I also know the tendency of the world is to pull us away. It's not uncommon for us to fall in love with the things you've given us, fall in love with the things we do, or to allow something else to attract us, just like being unfaithful. Father, as I sit here, I realize there's probably people in this room right now that they're not walking where they need to walk. I'm going to ask them to come home today. I cannot, they're not going to come home without your help. So I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, draw them. Bring every person in this room back into fellowship with you. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So that I'm back in that place where you are my first love. With, every, with everybody bowed your head and eyes closed. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am going to pray for you. How many of you in here this morning right now say, I am not there and I want to be. Raise your hand. Just lift your hand. One, two, three. That's good. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's others. Okay, put your hands down. Let's pray. I'm going to do something. Look at me right now. <laughs> wow. I've been a Christian 40 years. You can get to where you can do this without God. You know that? I can get a sermon without God. I can come up with a hundred sermons without God. Lisa can lead worship without God. Fake it till you make. We can just get up here and sing and dance and jump and holler and scream. It's a whole lot better with him. My, my, my most prized possession is my walk with God. It trumps everything. I don't know. Did I tell y'all about when I went to India? Did I tell y'all the story? Oh, it was that first service. I don't remember. One year, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to India. I said, I don't want to go to India. I don't like their food. I don't like their beds. It stinks. I don't like their snakes. And he said, and so I fought with him. I mean, he really, and I said, Father, I'll, I'll miss Lisa. He said, do you love Lisa more than me? I said, no, sir. He says, I want you to go to India. I said, yes, sir. Let me tell you something. He may call you. Do this for me. Yes, sir. If you're going to walk with God, your will is not always going to be first place. But he'll never hurt you. Amen? So many of you raised your hand. There's still more of you in here. I want you to pray with me because what I saw this morning, you worshiping God. I want a church that God comes to. There's two kinds of churches in America. Churches, the pastors building the church and churches where the pastor loves the Lord. I want to be the one where we love God. You understand that? 
So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask as many of you that lifted your hand, just pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, you said in Ephesians chapter 4, don't grieve the Spirit of God. I feel in my heart that I have grieved you. I feel that my life is not going the direction you want it to go. Please forgive me. God, I love you. Thank you for everything you've ever done for me. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. And from this day forward, you're going to be number one. Not my job, not my career, not my desires, you. And I thank you for forgiving me. I want to be like King David. Now, when you call me on the carpet, it bothers me that I hurt you. Father God, I'm coming home. Thanks for receiving me. My future's good. In Jesus' name. Isn't God good? I don't, have, I don't know what else to do. Well, you did a good job. I, I did watch my butt after that. I'm going to say this again in closing. I, I, I can, we can have a building full of people. I, I can't make you love God. There's nothing I can do. I can't preach a sermon that will change your heart if you don't want it changed. This has to be a decision you have made. And you can make it. You choose what you think about. I think good thoughts about my wife. I cherish my wife. I cherish my sons and my daughters. I think well of them. I think well of you. I think about God. I don't allow distractions. I turn the TV off, the phone off. There's times I just pull away and go, Father, I just want to be with you. Don't you think he doesn't notice that? The love has to be a two-way street. It cannot all be him. We've got to reciprocate that love back. And the way we do it, is by obeying him and walking with him. Amen? I pray that you enjoyed this and I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to stop clapping when I preach. I want to say thank you for that. I don't want you to give me glory for what God has done in this place. If I preached a good message, I'm going to tell you it's God. If I preached a bad one, it's me. And when I preach a good one, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to just give him glory. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for all your goodness on us, for your love on us, and for all that you've given us. Thank you for this service. Thank you for lives changed and needs being met in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.